0: Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurabe Satchidanandamurtaye Nishprapanchaya Shandhaya Niralambhaya Tejase Muktanandaya Gurabe Shisha Samsara Harane mai takai de namaste chit saraatmane he chave jagatame va samsara navase tebe prabhave sabha vidyanam shambave gurave namaha guru brahma guru vishnu guru devo maheshwara Guru-sakshat-para-Brahma-tas-mai-sri-gurave-namaha namaha om swarupa swa namo namaha Om I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self, your own divine essence, your own beingness, your own isness, O Shiva. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Baba Namo Namaha. Illumined action. The creative power of consciousness is on tap for you, ready to give you answers to all your problems, as well as to empower you to create fascinating new opportunities. All you have to do is tap into it. But it's like standing in front of your bathroom sink. The water won't run unless you turn on the tap. So you actually have to do something to get the creative power of consciousness to flow through you. What do you do? It's called yoga. Yoga is the science of consciousness, the way you discover the consciousness that is your own divine beingness. So you live in a constant inner bliss and profound clarity leading to illumined actions. It's how you want to live. You already know how foggy thinking works. You know what it's like to live in the shadows of your mind. Personally, I found it profoundly unfulfilling. However, I must say it was deeply motivating. The periods of my life before yoga that were full of emotional pain and the numbness of depression were most beneficial ultimately. They motivated me to do something that would make a difference and to stick with it. I didn't want to go back to that zombie-like living. I wanted to be fully alive. I wanted to laugh, to love, to share, and to care. And yoga gave me all of this. But I had to do my part. Baba gave me the aliveness, the joy, the capacity to love, share, and care by giving me my own self. But I had to look into the gift that he gave me. It's like someone gives you a beautifully wrapped package, so you have to open it and look inside to see what's there. Well, Baba gave me me, so I had to look inside to see what I am really made of. I had to do my part, unwrap the gift, and bring forth what was hidden inside. It's the core of beingness within that you want to feel your own divine essence, the glory and radiance of consciousness shining through your mind and heart. That's the gift of the yogic sages carried through the ages right into Downingtown today. Imagine Downingtown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Several people have asked me, why Downingtown, <laughs> Some have asked because they live a distance away and wish I'd set the ashram up a little closer to them. (laughs) Others ask because they're locals and they ask what brought me here. I chose Downingtown. I was looking for a place to settle, somewhere that would be centrally located for the yogis already studying with me, scattered along the eastern seaboard as so many of them are. And every time I drove through this little downtown strip, I felt something, like it was calling me. I'll compare it to how Nityananda ended up in the small town of Ganeshpuri in Maharashtra, India. He wandered through the isolated rural area on foot, not by car, and he was drawn to a small Shiva temple. He stayed there for a while, and people began to visit him, asking for his blessings and teachings. They brought food. They donated money. They did seva, sweeping and cleaning, so he stayed longer, and he gave more. I met an elder in the community, a woman who was widowed young. She took her two small children with her to Nityananda. He took them in, sheltered and raised them. One of them is now a Brahmin priest in Nityananda's meditation temple there. Nityananda was so generous. He ended up staying for 30 or more years, living out the rest of his life there. And his home and meditation temple are still there, vibrating with his energy, the energy of pure consciousness. That same power of consciousness is within you. The limitlessness of your own beingness is inexhaustible. The source of your unending generosity and personal empowerment. The purpose of yoga is to give you access to the limitlessness of your own beingness. Shaktipat initiation is the most powerful of all the methodologies. In Shaktipat, it's like I give you the wrapped box, which is filled with the light of your own consciousness. And I even open it up for you. (laughs) But then you have to reach inside and take hold of the gift. Bring it to your heart. Bring it into your life. By doing your part, by doing yogic practices, you bring the light of consciousness into your world. Fueled by consciousness, you step into the world, making different choices than before. A body and mind powered by consciousness is very different than a body and mind running on anxiety. Most people fill their tank with anxiety. What makes them so anxious? It's the fear that they won't get what they want and need. That their happiness, their very sense of self depends on outer things. And those outer things are not always available. If you want blue skies to make you feel good, well, clouds of smoke from forest fires and even white puffy clouds will prevent your good feelings. If you want other people to do certain things or to say certain things, well, you've already proven how often that really pans out. So your good feelings depend on them reading your movie script and following it. (laughs) Not always likely. (laughs) Anytime your inner state depends on outer things, you're dependent. You're needy. You're lost. This is often called attachment, but I describe it as neediness and dependency. Krishna explains it in the Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 3, verse 9. Aside from sacred ceremonies, this world is bound by self-serving actions. Perform illumined actions, Arjuna, free from neediness and dependency. Yad yat karma non yatra loko yam karma bandhanaha tadartam karma kaunteya mukta Sanga samacharā. Aside from sacred ceremonies, this world is bound by self serving actions. Perform illumined actions, Arjuna, that's your name. Perform illumined actions free from neediness and dependency. This verse is from chapter three of the Bhagavad Gita, where an incarnation of God, Krishna, explains that yogis and spiritually oriented people must participate in the world. At the time, 5,000 years ago, it was a radical teaching. Yogis had been withdrawing from society for thousands of years, living in small groups in the woods or the mountains, focusing on spiritual development by rejecting the world, even their own family and roots. And Krishna said, now this is a very loose translation, suit up, Show up, step up, and make a difference. You can write that down. Suit up, show up, step up, and make a difference. For you see, if all the spiritual beings withdraw from the world, who's left to run things? It's not a pretty picture. Krishna gave these teachings to his pupil, Arjuna, a great warrior on the cusp of the most challenging battle of his life. But Arjuna wanted to back down and go back to the woods where he had been living quietly for 12 years. I'll live a peaceful life. I'll just hide out from the real world so nothing will disturb my mind. I won't watch the news. I won't pick up my tablet. I'll be happy. I'll have a good life. And Krishna said, no it's not good. It's not good enough. You have the capacity for more, to be more, and to do more. You have to draw from your inner depths to bring your whole mind and heart and spiritual essence into the challenge at hand. It's time to act. But your actions must be illumined actions, draw from the light of consciousness within you, and shine it into the world through your words and actions. It makes a difference for others, and it makes a difference for you. Your choices will be different than before in many cases. Your body and mind will be very different, for they are powered by consciousness instead of running on neediness and fear. I'll place this verse in context. Krishna starts by saying, aside from sacred ceremonies. In his era, the most sacred of all sacred ceremonies was the yajna. I've been fortunate to participate in a dozen or more of them myself. And I agree, they are the most sacred of sacred ceremonies. The Vedic fire is started by rubbing sticks together. While Sanskrit mantras are being chanted, little bits of cotton fluff are ignited by the sparks coming off the wood. Then straw and kindling is fed to the flames. They grow until the flames are big enough to be lowered into a specially constructed fire pit. Bricks laid in a holy pattern dictated by the ancient texts. All the while, these mantras are being chanted leading to an hour or even several delicious hours of flames being fed by the mantras along with grains seeds and ghee melted butter poured in so the flames will leap higher my first experience of a yagna was with baba it was a 3 day yagna <laughs> all day the mantras and offerings continued for 3 days and in the deep quiet of the night, with the flickering light of the flames and the sound of the fire, we walked around the fire pit, pradakshina, round and round and round, repeating mantra inside, slowly, with just the flames and the mantra. I stayed for hours every night. In this verse, Krishna is saying that this type of activity is karma-free. Yad karma non nyatra, loko yam karma bandana. But all your other actions bind you to karmic repercussions. The translation, aside from sacred ceremonies, this world is bound by self-serving actions. Perform illumined actions, Arjuna free from neediness and dependency. In a sacred ceremony, a yajna, as well as other types of ceremonies, in every religion, in every tradition, there are so many holy ceremonies. How great. In these consecrated actions, you are being freed from your karmic weights and limitations. But the rest of the time... (sighs) You're probably adding to them. Why? Because, as he says, the world is bound by self serving actions. I want this. I need that. Why didn't I get X? Why do I have to do Y? And so on. It's all about me, 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 me. I need, I want, I depend on. Yet rarely are your needs and desires truly. And fully fulfilled. It's true. However, erratic reinforcement is the most binding. B.F. Skinner proved that with pigeons back in the early days of psychology. Krishna says the way out of this cul-de-sac is to perform illumined actions. What are illumined actions? He defines them. They are free from neediness and dependency. When you do something out of the goodness of your heart, out of your inherent kindness and a spirit of generosity, it's an illumined action. It could be a big deal, like taking a neighbor in for a medical appointment, which could take hours out of your day. Or it could be a simple thing, like picking up a piece of trash from the parking lot and finding a bin to drop it into. These are karma-free actions. You don't have to be enlightened to do them. In fact, they help you get enlightened. Research shows that doing good works improves your state of mind as well as your physical health. NIH, the National Institutes of Health, cites research showing that people who volunteered two or more hours per week for a year or longer had reduced risk of mortality. They also had fewer physical limitations, higher physical ability, and better psychosocial measures. What's that? Positive mood, optimism, a sense of purpose in life, as well as lower depressive symptoms, less hopelessness, less loneliness, etc. Yes. Yet yoga says you get even more. Krishna says to perform illumined actions free from neediness and dependency, he says it's a spiritual practice. To that, I'll add, it's not merely a practice. It's a lifestyle that mimics how you will live when you are enlightened. When you become enlightened, you will still care about other people. In fact, the bindings that have constricted your heart for so long will dissolve. And you'll feel more love for more people, more fully, more generously, and more blissfully. And it won't matter if they love you back or not. You'll love them anyway. I went to the pet store recently, the pet supply store, where they sell all those fancy dog foods and pet toys and things. Just as I entered the entry door, there was a couple with a big puppy in their shopping cart. A fuzzy, furry puppy, so big that he barely fit in the cart. This was going to be a huge dog. But he was so cute. I had to stop and pet him, of course, and talk with his owners, who were thrilled, of course. They had just adopted him and were buying food and other supplies. So, they were really excited to have him and to have others admiring him. (laughs) You know how easy it is to love a puppy? Well, when you're enlightened, it will be that easy to love everyone. You won't look for what you can get from the puppy. You'll want to give, to love, to share, to play, to care, to pet, and to walk the dog. And of course, you'll enjoy it, but that's not why you're doing it. When you're enlightened, You're free from need, greed, and fear. You live in a spirit of generosity, a deep caring and givingness that comes from a bottomless well inside. The limitlessness of your own beingness is inexhaustible. The source of your unending generosity and personal empowerment. Fueled by consciousness, you step into the world, making different choices than before. There are two ways to get to this state of freedom and generosity. One is to clear out all the gunk that gets in your way, to a rooter out your mind and heart, unraveling the bindings that hide your divine essence from yourself. It's important work, this work on yourself, but I liken it to digging a swimming pool with a teaspoon. The other option is to be awakened, to get Shaktipat initiation, which awakens the power of consciousness to arise within you and burn away all the stuff that gets in the way. Not only is this faster and easier, but it's more blissful, for you get the bliss of consciousness along the way, every time you meditate, every time you chant, every time you do poses and breathing. Every time you study yoga's profound teachings like now, every time you support the ashram through your generous donations or your seva, volunteering for the ashram, one process is from the outside inward, digging the swimming pool with a teaspoon. The other is from the inside outward, getting lit up and then using your inner light to burn away all your limitations. Oh, but there's a hitch. Whether you're going from the outside inward or from the inside outward, you have to do practices. Even when you've gotten Shaktipat, the inner light is not going to arise unless you make time for it. You must meditate. The inner light is not going to transform you unless you cooperate with it. You know how to hide from the light. Even though all you want is to shine with the light of consciousness all the time, you get stuck in old patterns. So what you need to do is align yourself with consciousness and to do it all the time. But when do you want to stop shining? I usually recommend to repeat mantra all the time, but I haven't had very many people take me up on this. I would have noticed if you had taken me up on this. So I usually recommend to repeat mantra all the time. What happens is your mind is being filled with the divine name all the time, the name of your own divine essence, your own self. But instead you could chant all the time or you could turn every action into seva, service to God. It's so simple. Like if you're dusting a table, you say, I'm dusting this table for you, Guru Devi, or I'm dusting this table for you, God. And then the next table, you dedicate your dusting to the one divine reality by whatever name has most meaning to you. And when you sweep, or when you do dishes, or when you drive, this corner's for you, God. Several years ago, one man heard me describe this, and he had an aha, and he came up and he said to me, It's like when I'm running a marathon, it's really different when the marathon is for world hunger. Yeah. Dedicate your actions to something greater than your puny little mind and all its needs and complaints. Sanctify your actions in your life, moment by moment. Now you're on your way to performing illumined actions. How does that work? Once you dedicate your action to the divine, in whatever form you choose, the divine reality is going to steer you in the right direction. You'll be supported by divine grace. You'll have insights and breakthroughs. Your heart will be more open. Your decisions will come from clarity. And you'll gain a body and mind powered by consciousness, which is very different than a body and mind running on need, greed, and fear. Make every action an illumined action by turning it into seva, service to the divine. Or you could just do more mantra, both when you're meditating and when you're active. Oh, you could even do both. You could dedicate your actions, do mantra while you're doing them. How fast do you want to get enlightened? Om Swarupa Swaswa swa Bhava Namo Nama.